You're listening to episode one of the Dongs for People 2 podcast presented by Dingle Days. I'm your host, Jariah Dingle, and I believe anything can be learned. If you believe that's true as well, then keep listening because this is the number one show to dive into serial learning and bring you the best tips, strategies, and technologies for pet parents. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jeremy McLaughlin, owner of Family First Canine, AKC, CPE, and NACSW judge. We're going to be talking about getting started in scent work for beginners. Enjoy the show. Generally speaking, my three topic areas are scent detection, pet tech, and pet photography. And somehow I got wrestled into the scent work thing. It started off pretty general and it seemed like all the viral videos are are directed towards scent detection. So I guess that tells us something that it's something that people want more knowledge about. So with that, tell us a little bit about your background for the people out there in the audience who may not know who you are, Jeremy from Family First Canine. I guess if you go back to the beginning, I got into scent work when I was a child because we make a lot of comparisons and a lot of the professional trainers, uh, especially if you've ever watched Randy Hare talk about his detection training method. Um, he talks about hunting dogs and how bird dogs, you don't see them false alert. So when I was a child, uh, I got into dogs uh, through 4-H, did some obedient stuff. They had the, the dog project. And I always grew up around uncles that took me hunting, you know. So there was always beagles. There was always labs. There was whether it was rabbit or some kind of bird hunting, we were always working and training dogs. Uh, later on in my professional life, that's how I got into scent work. I uh, started working for the Department of Corrections in Kentucky uh, at a very young age. Uh, they started utilizing canines just for simply tracking. I left them and went to a county jail. And at that time, when I went to that county jail, I was already doing Schutzen. So I had a really nice German shepherd who was actually a rescue. And, you know, everybody talks about wanting to do things with the rescue. And so many times we work through the dog's issues when they're a rescue because of trauma from the past. But this dog was just, uh, long story short, a couple bought a German shepherd because they thought they wanted a German shepherd. And they bought it from a working line trainer. And this dog was just too much. So my, my first Schutzen dog, she was probably, probably the hardest dog I've ever owned. <laughs> uh, and I was working with, with a, with the group that was actually out of Henderson at the time and started working at the jail. And my Lieutenant who was running our canine program fell in love with her and immediately started teaching me detection. Uh, we started doing building clearances, started doing tracking, started doing all that stuff. And she's like, no, this dog, you know, you should use this dog here. Uh, and that kind of fired up my passion. Um, at that time, uh, you know, we started that dog simply by hunting for her toy. And as I got more serious about some of the other dog sports, it leaned into me getting more serious about Schutz. And I was doing, I was driving an hour and a half once a week to do private lessons with a lady uh, named Tammy Weldon, who uh, runs Masters Boarding Kennels. And she's like, probably you know i've got a dog from her she's probably one of the best doberman breeders in the country so i was training with her um and she introduced me to gene england and a lot of people know gene england is the godfather of schutzen he was he also trained some really nice police dogs and you know from the first time i went there he just kind of hey come here kid show why do we do this why do we do that and that's when i saw the scratch boxes for the first time so at, at that time you know we're going back probably 12, 15 years, dogs are aggressive alert. 
uh, in the police field. So they'd come up to older, they'd start scratching, scratching, scratching. And they had these scratch boxes where they would drop the ball behind the plexiglass and they would amp the dog up. The dog would be scratching, the dog would be scratching. But the whole point was the dog gets rewarded on source. So um, that kind of changed. And right there, the addiction stuck in. So you probably feel my pain when you get introduced to something new, especially scent work. Um, and I saw a change about my dog. I saw my dog, the intensity pick up. I saw the intensity for the search. I saw her accuracy. I mean, I could work this dog for hours and she just continued to want to work. So that sparked it off. And then I just made it a mission to study as many things as I could about, about scent work. You know, at this point, nobody's probably an innovator, but I, I continue to hit up multiple workshops since then. You know, I've attended workshops with Randy Hare and he, and he, you know, he's kind of the guy that, that they give credit to for, for doing those scratch boxes. He's changed his system since then. I've worked with guys like Joey Lay that, that run a Rady canine. Uh, I bring in Flavio that, that once a year for a workshop that builds the cost system. So you see those boxes where the ball shoots out. Yeah. Um, from I've seen older. that. And you have a, you have a review on that, right? Yeah, I actually, I, I like his products. Uh, I train, so like, if you look at my fiance's dog, we train her dog using that system. But when you see me work my dog, uh, we use more of like a, a modified Randy hair method where there's a lot of tug and interaction at the source. What I really like about Flavio's products is I can change the top off. I can put it on. I do a lot of AKC dogs, a lot of CPE dogs. So I can swap them out and, and drop food as well as a toy. Uh, to me, it was all about, you know, there's a mean and one ways to train a dog. And I wanted to make sure I knew as many ways as possible because scent detection was my passion. And I want to find what works best for the individual's dog that comes to me. No, that, that makes so much sense. Um, I, I do want to go back real quick, just for our listeners who may not be as deep into the professional, uh, well, I won't even say completely professional, but just some folks are just really passionate and extreme hobbyists. Um, let's go back to Schutzen a little bit and just okay. explain that a little bit for those who may not be familiar or may not be a German Shepherd dog owner. Okay, so uh, Schutzen is a dog sport. If you go back now, it's changed its names a, a few times to uh, it was IPO, IGP, I think is what they're calling it now. Uh, I do have a young dog. Once again, this brings us back to detection. I have a young German Shepherd here that I've decided, hey, let's do uh, American Schutzen. So now there's there's an American Schutzen where some of the old school Schutzen people have kind of broken away. And instead of doing those long tracks, guess what they're doing? Detection. So uh, it involves detection. I said, well, you, you had me at detection. So... Um, it has detection, it has obedience, and it has protection. Now, Schutzen was just originally started as kind of like a breed standard, a test to say, hey, this dog has what it takes to be a working dog. So it involved tracking, obedience, and protection work. And then as the years went on, you know, uh, I've kind of broken away from that. However, with American Schutzen, it's really, it's really sparked my interest because they brought detection into it instead of tracking. Because the thing is, most of us can find a way to do, to practice scent work. Unless you live where I live in Kentucky, that's very rural, and you have lots of fields. You know, if you lived in Chicago and wanted to get serious about Schultz, or if you lived in Atlanta, 
you're going to have to drive several hours to find it's the kinda, traction field. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do those send outs, right? <laughs> right, right. So the beauty of it is, is, is that, you know, you can do scent work anywhere. And, you know, I often travel with, I'll have a few cans and some odors. Even my dog that I do like AKC and CPE with, if, if we're on a road trip, I'll stop somewhere. We'll stretch our legs. I'll go hide a can somewhere and then we'll just, you know, We'll make most of it. You can literally practice a sport anywhere. So is there one reason why you would want to get into uh, uh, one, one organization over the other? I mean, we have scent work, nose work. Some of these are trademarked or their rights or whatever. I know we use them interchangeably, generally speaking, talking about scent detection. Um, but with the different organizations mm-hmm. out there and with you having such a varying background, why might one be better or different um, for a pet owner? I'm all over the place. I'm a, I'm a judge in AKC. I'm a judge in CPE and I'm a judge in NACSW. So I love CPE and I love CPE for multiple reasons. I'm all about, uh, training the next generation. Uh, we try to get kids involved in this sport. If we're not educating the youth, then all these wonderful things are going to disappear. So the thing I like about CPE is at level one, they allow you to make a mistake. You look at your novice containers and what do we do? I'm a nervous trialer myself. So you, you, you send your dog out. Okay. Find it, whatever your word is to cue. And the dog brackets in on odor. It's a young dog and it, it sits, you get excited. You call alert. And it was false alert. The dog alerted on the wrong thing. Maybe you made a handler error. CP allows you to go. Okay. There's a mistake. Continue. Okay. Um, I like that for a simple reason. It, not to sound like a big softy, but I was judging a uh, a trial back in January, February in Evansville for AKC. They had two junior handlers show up. Um, this little girl showed up. I'll probably never forget this little girl. She showed up. Her and her mom. She gets excited, and I give the rundown. I said, "Okay, you have two minutes from the time you cross that line. Time stops, and you call alert." She sends a dog out. The little dog looks wonderful. It's just doing its thing. It stops at the box. She gets excited. She lights up. She smiles. She reaches down. She rewards her dog, and she runs off back to finish line, and she celebrates. Uh, but unfortunately, she didn't say alert. So <laughs> she didn't get, you know, it didn't count. And I sat there and looked at her, and I looked at her mom, and I said, And then she looked at me and tears rolled out of her eyes. And she said, I messed up. I messed up. I said, well, you made a mistake and it happens. I said, just so you know, 25 adults did the same thing today. So it's not that big of a thing. I said, so let's go through this. I said, I'm going to let you run again. Let your dog, we'll turn it into practice. You're here. Let's do a practice run. This time, say alert and pay your dog. But she was so upset that on her her second container run of the day, she just couldn't do it. So I like, especially for youth or people getting into the sport, I like the CPE side of it because they make it a little bit easier, which can kind of take away the nerves. Um, and obviously, everybody wants to do AKC. I think it's just uh, more I, more popular, know. at least at least um, 
Yeah. Just for its name's sake, I don't know if it's actually more popular, but it's right. definitely more popular with regard to if you just did a search, somebody would be like, CP, what is that? Yeah. Mm, canine performance yeah. uh, versus yeah. AKC, yeah. okay, yeah. because we associate yeah. that with so many other things, even outside of the performance right. dog sports. Um, but I, I actually wasn't really aware. I don't know that much actually about it. So it was really interesting to see, yeah. uh, particularly for a beginner, because that's what we're kind of kind of getting at with the meat of it is more so. You know, if you're if you're thinking about getting into this, you know, you really want to get after um, leveraging your dog's nose in a way that you can actually bond with your mm-hmm. dog. And I just think it's really cool to see when training with my dog Disney to see those wheels turning when he's starting to pick up on something, mm-hmm. and then just to see a dog right. be a dog, right? Like using their nose. Yeah. Um, and then that's yeah. a really great example because uh, you have you seen a uh, American American Shootson girl? Uh, she's uh she's she's Little she's not handler, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's doing yeah. her thing on YouTube. Um, uh-huh. But it's really neat to see the youth actually training their dogs and then to see the dog right. respond. Like, you don't have to be an adult, you know, you just have to, you know, instill that discipline as well and practice with your dog and and they can compete too and have some fun. Well, you know, I've said a million times that kids bring a different type of energy and oftentimes you see dogs respond better to kids. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, your dog did great, celebrate. And you're like, good job. You're like, no. <laughs> get down with your dog you know so you'll see me out there acting like a fool especially when we do something like pasta bench i'm out there running and jumping around Come on, hey, 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 you know um or when we do agility but yeah it's it's probably the thing i enjoy the most is seeing kids start in scent work and then watching the dog solve the problem yes so when the dog solves the problem it's to me, it's as rewarding as when you watch your child mature and they start putting things together. So like my first kid, when, when he was learning how to read, um, you see them light up, you can see them sound the word out, you can see them figure it out and the pride that comes over them. It's the same thing when you see these, these junior handlers. And, and when you watch a puppy progress from week to week or a young dog progress from week to week, to me, that's probably one of the most satisfying things in the world. I love. Uh, seeing the dogs progress weekly uh and i I really enjoy the the novice side of it yeah and and if you were gonna jump into that because a lot of us particularly with so much content out there i try so hard not to be a part of the misinformation or the bad information Mm -hmm. i do try to go reference things or at least look it up myself i don't want to just put something out there um this is like my digital apprenticeship if you would because for anybody out there trying to be a dog trainer there's not I mean, there's plenty of places to try to get certified, but there's not like one official certification. And the one commonality, at least that I've run across, is that spend time with the people who do this all the time. You know, if you want to be an AKC scent work judge, I've taken the online course, but you got to spend some time with an actual judge uh, if you yeah. really want to be certified. Um, so I haven't been in one place long enough to to get that accomplished, but it's definitely on the to-do list. Um, but yeah. Things like YouTube provide an outlet. There's so much bad information out there. That's why I wanted to bring on someone who who had a little bit more, um, you know, you you like the fun side of it, but you also know the rules as well. So if we backed right. it up um, and we broke it down and we talk about AKC scent work or, or just scent detection work, I won't, you know, narrow it down necessarily to a specific organization. And, and we, we go from odor imprinting through the stages. What would you say are the basic stages for getting into it? What are the, where, what are the gates that you go through with regard to progression? So I'll, I'll make this statement. You'll hear me make this statement a thousand times. Uh, oftentimes when, when we start out, everybody wants to just rush through it. 
Um, and we can't rush through it because if we rush through it, we're going to have issues later on. So if imprinting is done correctly and we spend time on building value to that odor, then everything else is a nice, smooth progression. And we can always back up. Nobody ever wants to back up, but the beauty of it is, is that we can take a step back and continue to work. Everybody wants to rush, 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 and get that first title. Hey, I love titles. I love ribbons. But um, the, the best advice I can give is make sure you're spending enough time at the early stages. So if you saw my video on the older imprinting tubes, Yes, very popular, very you know, popular. I, one one of the I best out a, there, actually, because it's very lot, clear. <laughs> I spend, thank you. I spend a lot of time with those tubes, and I don't move on from the first one until that dog is driving in, driving in, driving in, and doing it. And then I'll start moving them around. And then after I've played the shell game several times, then I'll start staging them around, you know, maybe four corners, maybe putting out more, making X's. And I love the tubes because they're just. You know, you can get so many uses out of them. You pop the top off, you have that base. Basically, what do you have? You have a container there, right? Um, I've worked a lot of dogs that are rescues and they're fearful. Uh, we use scent work to build their confidence up. Uh, maybe they won't put their head into the tube, so I can pop it off. I can still utilize it in the same method. You know, I can still reward its source. I can still get the dog up there. It just kind of opens it up a little bit more, uh, but... I spend a lot of time in the early stages and I don't rush, uh, and, and alert, uh, when I'm going around teaching, I do a lot of intro workshops. Everybody's like, Hey, what about the alert? What about the alert? I'm like, I'm not worried about a final indication. I want the dog to understand. I want to build value to the odor. I want to get multiple reps in paying this dog's nose as close to source you will start seeing the dog will already start giving us a body language change, uh, especially several weeks in. I've got a, a young guy that, that came in with a German Shepherd, and we're training his dog, and he keeps asking the same question. When are we going to get the alert? When are we going to get the alert? I said, well, I said, watch your dog and read his body language. I mean, the dog's locked up, and his nose is already on the, on the container. Or the dog's standing there, nose touching, you know, the scent wall. I said, I'm not worried about the final alert because there's going to be times you're never going to get a hundred percent sit. Um, sometimes when you're working a dog, that dog may just lock up. We have to pay attention to our dog's body language and I'm kind of getting off topic here a little bit, but, uh, you know, to me, some of the most important things we can do is to build value to that odor. Uh, cause if I'm working a detection dog, even my personal dog I do for sport, you know, I do agility with her. So scent work has to be as fun as agility, if not more. So, you know, we definitely have to build value. Uh, as you progress by building that value, the, what I find is the problem is as we put too much, if we look at it as, as a chart, if we put too much obedience and everybody wants that beautiful sit stare, if we put too much obedience on the dog, the intensity for the search goes down. So you really want to kind of, if we could keep it leveled up, I would much rather have my dog up here and, you know, used to, I used to really freak out about the dog looking back at me, but if that dog's sitting there staring and it's on odor and knows it's on odor and it looks at me and it looks back, that dog's basically just telling me, Hey, you owe me a payment, right? <laughs> so I don't worry about it. I want to keep the intensity up because as we progress, 
you know, uh, if we look at AKC, novice is fun. Uh, advanced is a little more challenging, but it's easily doable. Where most people hit the wall is once they get past advanced, you start getting into multiple distractions, uh, multiple odors, multiple rooms. So the method that I use for dogs, whether it's sport or it's professional, I want to build that intensity up. I want to build that drive up, uh, so to speak. And I guess drive may be a bad term because everybody wants to argue what's drive. But uh, I want to build so much value that they're going in and they're searching. Because if you get serious and want to continue to title, you're going to have multiple rooms, uh, multiple holders, multiple distractions. And, And I will always go back, you know, at least once a week and just set out something simple. Uh, I never did post a video, but I did one for a client where I just took three bases of the, the tubes out and I put odor in one, I put two strong distractors in one. Um, and we just played a shell game in the house. And I, and, and one of it was something, you know, I got bored and I watched a webinar and I'm like, (laughs) you know, I thought I was doing a good job on distractors but I would have never thought. And they're like, no, I saw it in the elite level in NACSW, a tea bag. I'm like, whoa, that's a good distractor. Tea strong. And, you know, what do dogs do when they naturally come into a strong odor? They're going to check it out. And what's that? So, I, you know, there's something. Yeah. So my, my mindset has always been if I go to a workshop and I learn one thing, one thing I can take away from that workshop, or training, then it was worth it. And it doesn't matter if I paid $100 or $500. If I got one thing I can add to my toolbox, then it was worth it. So, you know, I like to spend a lot of time at the early stages, uh, really get my dog searching confident and, and, and with intensity to the odor, um, and just learn the dog. So if I have a new client, I really want them to just, I kind of take them out of the equation. So if we're doing containers and I have 10 boxes sit out there, I make sure that they're slack on the leash and that they're, you know, they're just kind of, they're there, but they're not there. And the dog's doing its thing and that they're watching their dog. Because from a judge's perspective, the biggest mistake I see is, tight leash and people will pull their dog off the odor and they're not paying attention to their dog because some of these dogs their body language is extreme when they come into odor like you'll see the whole body pop around um so i spend a lot of time on on foundational stuff before i progress anywhere else no that makes so much sense i mean when you think about it i mean um it's working with some other folks and everybody's like that's like the number one question i get with regard to well 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 how long does this take and you're like one is going to be dependent on your dog. And then, you know, for anyone that's yeah. really in the dog training, you know about the the pillars of dog training, but one of them is consistency. So if, if you're only going to train every once in a while, you can't expect one, this perfect pristine. And like you said, you're not going to get it hundred percent of the time anyway, with regard to that, that indication, what I found with Disney, um, he started to offer me a behavior and I liked it. So I reinforced yeah. it. You know, I was like, okay, he's giving me a down. Yeah. He was giving me a down. And I was like, yeah. well, 
instead of me having yeah. to tell him down, if he's going to do it on his own, and then it, we just started to just go with it. I was like, that's what he's giving me. I mean, I guess you yeah. could, you know, you could shape yeah. a sit or whatever, and the odor may not always be directly accessible. Yeah. But I was like, he's giving it to me, so I'm going to reward it. I like that too, so I would reward him, you know, for right. for for having nose on target. At the time, we, it was something that was accessible so he could get nose yeah. on target. Um, yeah. And then he offered me the down, so I would, I would give him a little jackpot in the initial stages so he understood, oh, yeah, that's really good. Like, so, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was really neat. We haven't progressed beyond, um, right now, boxes. So what I want to try to do is start to yeah. switch out the container element. Um, well, not like the oil itself, birch or whatever, but the actual containers that we're using, maybe a bucket or something. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't all, cause right now he's yeah. like super excited about boxes and I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe it's yeah. time to move on to try something different. So he doesn't think, okay, it's all about the boxes. Yeah. So, um, and, and you just said it, I mean, it's, it's that simple. We just reinforce that behavior we want and everybody, for whatever reason, people really stress that indication. Uh, Oftentimes, like I've utilized the ball popper to switch police dogs over from aggressive alert because nobody wants an aggressive alert dog anymore to passive. Um, the dog out of frustration, if it's not getting rewarded for scratching, is going to offer another behavior. Typically, it's a sit because they're like, "What? what's going on? What do you want me to do? And then that's, <laughs> when I, I, that's yeah, that's when I utilize it. I'm like, yes. Pow, and there's a reward. Some dogs, it's taken several weeks to do. Some dogs, it has, uh, in a matter of a few days, we've been able to fix that. I don't, there are some trainers out there in the professional realm that have certain terms, and they want to immediately start forcing the dog into a sit on a box. Hey, it works. The guy's made a lot of money. But I don't want any negativity created so i don't want to create any undue stress when i'm starting a dog in scent work so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the guy that takes a dog up to the box and forces them into a sit from the beginning stages and starts from there um i won't say any names but if if the guy shows up at every police canine conference um i'm not gonna do that because to me the most rewarding and most fun thing a dog does should be scent work and I want to say that it's probably the the one thing you can do that's 100% positive, but there's still corrections and scent work because a correction is just the absence of the reward. Exactly. So, I mean, there's still going to be something there. Uh, it, but I let the, I do a lot of, I spend a lot of times just, I look at scent work as, a 5,000 piece puzzle. You know, you walk in and I'll go visit my parents at the senior citizen center and you'll see four or five people sitting around. And I look at that and I'm like, how do you ever put that puzzle together? How do you ever put that puzzle together? And that's what I, I, I want my dogs to problem solve. So when you said that it was time to move on from the boxes, I got tickled because if, if you see where we do scent work, it looks like a big yard sale. <laughs> so like I'll swing by, I'm driving another day and I look, so, I pull in. And I come running out and the lady's like, I'm like, Ooh, how much, how much for that little lunchbox? How much for that cooler? How much for that Hello Kitty bag? How much for, how much for this? And she's looking at me and here's this, this big guy jumping out of a pickup truck wanting a Hello Kitty bag. But, um, diversify your training experience. I mean, right. at, at, you know, in, in a progress way, right? Like obviously don't go ahead of what your dog, you know, at his, his or her level, but 
Exactly, right? And like, you know, that was pretty natural. He just came to that because it's like, okay, my dog thinks yeah. every time he sees a box, we're about to do scent detection. And I want to yeah. expand that before that becomes too ingrained, whereas it's like, okay, it's only about yeah. the boxes. Is there a preference with regard to whether we go for boxes or the odor and printing tubes? So for me, it's all about, I see so many dogs each week. It's all about being able to use something over and over and over again. So the tubes, uh, I'll use the tubes on certain dogs, but there's a lot of dogs, especially for the ones coming out for like AKC, I'll just take the tube top off and it'll just have the wooden base with the post flange. And I will literally sit out and I'm going to do another video on it um, because I've found in the past year, most people that are doing sport, I'll just start them this way. Depends on the dog. If it's a real young puppy, I love the tubes. Uh, but I can get multiple reps out of just utilizing the bases and the dog's still getting rewarded close to odor. They're shaped like a box. They see it as a box, you know, um, multiple repetition, multiple repetition, multiple repetition. The dog will start holding that nose right above it and they know what's expected of it. And there's just. Each dog's different, obviously. It takes, you know, some dogs are going to progress. I've got, I just did an intro class, a six-week intro class. I've got two dogs that are just killing it. Like, they look good. And I've got two dogs that are still doing, like, three and four, you know, uh, boxes or the bases. Uh, if you walk into my, my training building, I've got a stack of the boxes from Flavio with the cost system. I've got... Uh, a stack of cardboard boxes that, that fold on the top, like you see in AKC. Then I've got the ones that fold in themselves, like you see with NACSW. I've got, looks like a yard sale in the back. I've got wooden boxes. I've got, you name it, because at a certain point, I kind of start letting them see everything. Uh, especially if you want to get, like I said, when you get higher levels, they just, it's a hodgepodge of what you see. Uh, especially NACSW, I've seen some of their sit-ups at their highest level, and it's basically a warehouse with a hundred some odd different boxes and bags and and you name it. So uh, don't throw away luggage and don't throw away your uh, you know your handbags. If if you're tired of them, throw them into your scent work stuff. But uh, for me, it's all about can I reuse it? Can I clean it? You know, uh, because I see so many dogs. Um, you know, obviously if I'm at home and I have cardboard boxes, it's just my dog, then that's great. You know, the beauty of scent work is it doesn't have to be expensive and you could easily start your dog with the cardboard boxes. But when you work over a hundred dogs a month on something, those cardboard boxes don't last very long. So I'll use them. I'll break them out. For me, I break the cardboard boxes out probably six weeks before a trial for somebody, uh, because it all factors in uh, the AKC boxes that you see. They typically have the four folds. Obviously, odor escapes from them a little bit easier. But when you see the NACSW style boxes that fold up in on themselves, I've had dogs that were just rocking it. And then several weeks out from, from competition, they struggle when they get to that box. Um, cardboard's a strong smell, too. If we can smell it, it's really strong to us. Imagine what it's like for that dog. Um, and the odor escapes it differently than it does, like say a box from AKC. So 
Uh, about six weeks out is what I do. I'll start working the boxes in. And I find it's a smooth transition if I spend time uh, with just the bases of my older imprinting tubes. And I sit them out and run the dogs on it and, and work them, work those with containers. Uh, the way I progress off that is I deal with a lot less box crushers. So I know that's sometimes an issue. Uh, people do multiple sports with their dogs, like agility. They, they, they'll be training the dog to do two on, two off, and, and the dogs will come over to do scent work, and they just start stepping on all the boxes, crushing on them, thinking, hey, pay me, pay me, pay me. So um, I don't like to jump right into the boxes because I've seen so many agility dogs. Just crush them. I'll, I'll stick around and use, use the bases of, of my tubes for a while, and we, we run containers like that. Um, it allows the odor to escape, the dog's confidence being built. We can then we can start utilizing markers and rewarding and move everything around. And I can I'll start adding multiple distractions. Uh, I do a lot of my proofing with those boxes at that stage with the bases of my scent tubes at that stage before I move on to other things. For those of us who are less handy out there, I've seen a, a million to do uh, videos, and I really love your video. Um, where, where might someone just pick up some odor imprinting tubes? So when I, they're, they're pretty simple to make, uh, and you don't, like I said, you don't have to make the whole tube. Um, I do a lot of, of sport dogs with just the bottom part of it. The, uh, the bottom part is just a closed toilet flange. And then you, uh, in that same section over at Lowe's and Lowe's must hate me because if somebody needs these, I, I buy them out every time I go there. Um, and then you get the little drop in, you know, you've got your close toilet flange, then you have your, your drain, your drop in drain and it'll sit in there, but it, it rattles. And I don't like it to rattle because I do see dogs that are fearful. So the beauty of AKC is you get to see the 70 year old lady comes out with her, her pappy on and starts doing scent work. And it's the cutest thing you ever see. Um, and you see whippets and you see everything from collies to water dogs to you name it. It's just, you really enjoy getting to see all the different breeds of dogs and, 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 and people too. Uh, you know, I enjoy watching everything from, you know, you have the seven year old to the 75 year old lady. One time I was judging this, this little lady probably weighed 50 pounds and her dog was 70 pounds, you know? So, um, I enjoy it. I'm getting off track here, but, um, because I see so many dogs, you do see some fearful dogs come in and that rattle can sometimes scare them. So in the plumbing section at Lowe's, all you really need is three things over there. You get, I want to say it's a three or four inch PVC pipe. I've got everything written down on my, uh, that one YouTube video, I'll break it down, but you get a piece of PVC pipe that that drain will fit in. You just take the drain over there and fit, if it fits, you know, you get a section about that long. There are a few bucks. You can walk. I think you can spend $25, $30 and have all the stuff you need to make them. Um, and then I go, I get a two by 12. You don't have to use a two by 12 base. Um, I do heavy bases because, you know, my scent work dogs, a little Malinois. Um, and a lot of people will show up with shepherds and mouths and things around here. And those little dogs are just, they hit it. And if the tube's there, it'll slide. So I kind of weighed them down a little bit more. 
but you know, one trip to Lowe's, I do 12 by 12, you know, foot squares on the bases. And Lowe's will actually, I know our Lowe's will. If you say, hey, can you cut this into foot sections? You, you know, you're not lugging a big 10 foot long tube of 12 out. They'll cut it up for you. Um, but I mean, it's real simple. You don't have to be very handy to do it. Once you've got it cut, you just uh, put that closed toilet flange on there, put a couple screws in it, cut a piece of PVC pipe and sit the drain in and it snaps right in. No, I really appreciate you breaking that down for us. I mean, like, it's it's really nice to know that there's resources out there. And like I said, I'll, I'll reference the YouTube video if you want to see how to do that yourself. But there's a lot of assistance out there if you just go to your local hardware store. We're referencing Lowe's. You know, you can do Home Depot, of course, or, or your, yeah. your hardware store of choice. But um, that's that's pretty much as simple as it kind of gets. Um, just some key takeaways with regard to, hey, I'm out there. I, I got a dog. I want to get into AKC scent work or some type of scent detection. Um, just some some parting thoughts on that. What would you say to the beginner just starting out? Hey, I'm about to show up at Family First Canine and get involved. What kind of mindset do I need to have? And what should I be thinking about with regard to goals and, and some of the biggest mistakes I should try to avoid? Uh, well, you know, and not just if they're showing up for me, but if they're going anywhere, I would recommend to, you know, because there's a lot of information out there and some of it will get you kind of boggled down. Over the years, I've you know, I've developed my opinions and I don't know what my opinions are worth. To be honest, I do know that what I've seen, because I also certify police dogs uh, through an organization called Drug Beat. Um, so handler mistakes are, you know, it's prevalent in the uh, professional realm, too. I love the systems that reward a source. Uh, I'm not an indirect reward type of person. So if the dog's coming back to me. I've noticed that the dogs that are trained in certain style systems, uh, especially for competition, that those dogs will start scooting further and further and further and further away from odor. And as a judge, I'm going to ask you and you say alert, I'm going to say, show me, you know, if I've got a question, I'm going to say, show me, where's this at? And if your dog's this far away from odor, um, so like for mine, I like, you know, I'll drop a little ball on a string down and I'll tug and interact at odor with her. Uh, you know, Amy's dog, uh, he'll tug a little bit, but that popper really fires him up. But it's all about timing for the popper. I'll wait till he's closer in and reward. And you'll see people using utilizing that popper. The dogs will fall into a sit and they'll scoot two or three feet away from the, from the odor and they'll pop a reward up. So... You know, we want to make sure we're rewarding our dog closest to source, even if it's food. We utilize that marker. Yes. And then the hand comes around and we feed the dog right there. So I would say, hey, you know, uh, go out and find somebody that has experience in the background. Obviously, I, I get a lot of questions. I go to workshops and like, hey, I'm doing this online thing. I'm doing this online thing. Um, and I'm not going to bash some online classes. Some of them are really good. But I can tell you that me personally, if I were to, if I watch a webinar or I do something, now it makes sense to me because I've been involved for so long. But a lot of times, um, for like instance, I'm fairly new to agility. Uh, this is the first dog I've had that I've considered to be, hey, let's try high-level agility with. So even I, you know, I've got a membership to two online things just to do drills, just to understand different types of 
um, combinations of jumps and stuff I can do in my yard. And they'll start talking all these techniques and all these things. And I'm messaging my coach. I'm like, what are they talking about? You know? So sometimes, right, sometimes the information's overwhelming. Sometimes um, we can misread it because, you know, we live in the, the, the modern day of information. So there's podcasts, there's all kinds of stuff. And I have people that'll, even with the working dogs, hey, so-and-so said they do this. I'm like, right. But they do that because they didn't have any other choice. And we have choices. We're not going to do this. So I would say, you know, kind of do your research. I was very blessed that I just kind of fell in with the people I fell in with. Um, I wasn't there for detection at that time. He's like, come here, kid. Why are we doing this? I don't know. Well, we're doing this because we're doing this, 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 and this. And then the next thing you know, I was addicted. Um, so that just naturally made me want to go out and get, get more information. Uh, there are, if you're going to look for people online, uh, I can't say enough about this guy. I was actually down there last month trying to learn more about his, his new box system. Uh, Randy Hare is considered an innovator in the, in the, in the realm of detection. Uh, I really like his thought process. Oh, and he's a great guy. Uh, so, you know, he's got a whole series of videos, DVDs, things like that, that you can get on, uh, online. Uh, and you'll see how his, his systems progress. He's got the newer videos out now with his new box. Um, you know, I, I like my, I like my buddy Flavio. Uh, I like his system because it allows, for me, I like stuff that allows flexibility, you know, uh, but just seek out a certified professional. I think that online stuff is great once you have that base knowledge, but I think we get overwhelmed. Uh, a lot of times people will pick up a book or they'll, they'll sign up for an online class. And my problem with online classes from the start is how are they set up? You do a video. They show you a video, you do the video, you send it in, you get rewarded, and they give you like a little online badge, and it shows a completion level, and then it goes to the next one. And I feel like that makes us want to rush to get the little virtual badges and to complete step two, three, and four to say we did it. Um, and I think it oftentimes speeds us up through the process, and we rush things, and that's when we make mistakes. So get too focused on the vanity metrics, that's... too right. focused on the vanity metrics and not really enough about tying that progression with what's going on with you and your particular dog in your particular situation. Right. Um, so once again, you know, if you were to find somebody that's, that's got experience in it, a lot of people will come over from the professional realm to the sport realm, uh, and they'll be hosting classes and you, you'll get a feel. You know, if you go somewhere, um, you can kind of get a feel or you can see what works best for your dog and just kind of seek out, you know, certified trainers. Uh, I still bring in, uh, I've been in this for a while and I still have people I consider mentors. You know, last year I hosted, I hosted Joey Lay for five workshops and I offered it to the people that were coming and training with me because this guy's an encyclopedia of knowledge. And so we did scent work for half the day and then those people could leave and then everybody comes in that does things like French ring and PSA and things like that. Uh, but you know, attend some workshops too. AKC, 
uh, does a wonderful workshop for people that are either judges or want to be, do, uh, do judging uh, where they talk about just sitting up hides and creating a challenging but yet accomplishable hide. Um, and the one I was supposed to attend this year got canceled, obviously, because Corona, like everything else. Uh, but they'll have about six of those or more a year, and they're, they're a wonderful uh, workshop for those that are either judges to continue our knowledge so we can say, hey, you know, if you're doing uh, if you're doing an advanced level, how would you do this or this? Or if you're going to uh, do this, how would you sit this up? How would you sit this up? Do you want to challenge them so much that you have two odors converging on each other? Or do you want to make it like this? So they educate you on how to actually sit up your hides. Um, and even if you're not a judge, that's some great knowledge to have if you want to be a serious competitor. There's also some pretty good people in SW that do webinars on just, hey, um, and I wish I could think of the lady's name. She will actually show you hides and show you where the multiple odors are and then break down and say, so how's the wind affect this? That's some that's some really great value added because that's really important to understand. Like I said, I think I use the analogy of my my digital apprenticeship. So I don't want anybody to think out there, no, I, I'm not I'm not certified yet. Um, but in my training, I try to be educated about it. Um, and we have actually my dog. We started with the basics because I think even with all these sports, they're fun and everything. I mean, we started with basic obedience, uh, level one, level two. And I know that may vary by where you are, but generally speaking, he's level two. So he has his basics right there. I don't necessarily struggle with engagement. So now we can go do more fun things and learn things Mm -hmm. and you can integrate that stuff, but it's always easier if you can at least get your dog to pay attention to you. Um, and then that's what this podcast is kind of all about. Just bringing together some of the best knowledge out there. And I really think it's more like a profession when you think about it, I think with dog training now, granted people have been training dogs for years and not everything, these organizations didn't exist forever, right? People have been training animals for a while, but it's been structured in such a way that if you, if you can kind of learn a little bit about different methods and align that with mm-hmm. your, with your training philosophy. Um, I think there's something to be said about the progression that's possible, but definitely, I think the point here is definitely educate yourself, link up with someone if you can. Um, and those were some really great resources that you brought up, Jeremy. So I just want to thank you for, for, for being our first guest on the Dingle Days podcast. Oh, yeah. We have, uh, the dogs are people Two podcast by, by us here. Um, just, just, uh, so we can connect with you later. Can you tell everybody where we can find you, um, either on the internet, social, I'm on Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm struggling. I've got like 2,000 followers. Um, YouTube uh, technology seems to be working against me today as I've tried to upgrade and go to uh, a MacBook. Uh, So my videos, I've got like eight videos that are chopped up that I haven't posted. Um, So we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram. Um, Playing with uh, creating a Patreon account. Uh, so I can just kind of lay out from start to finish what I do with the dog. And I'm going to charge like 20 bucks a month or something, 15, $20 a month. Uh, because I want to show, like I described the variations of just utilizing the basis for the scent tubes. And of course we're on Facebook family first canine. So, uh, we've, we've done a couple giveaways on YouTube. So I will say this, uh, we gave away actually a stuck box, uh, small with Flavio partner with him. If you followed us both on Instagram and and subscribed on YouTube, we gave one of those away. 
uh, I gave away an e-collar. My next giveaway, when I reach 2,000 subscribers, so basically they have to follow me on Instagram and subscribe on uh, YouTube, I'm going to give away a Roughland dog kennel. I love these kennels. They're affordable. But when I travel, I want to make sure my dog's as protected as my child is in the car seat, right? So, you know, they breathe. They wash out really nice. I've got a ton of them. And you just go watch the videos when, when they're dropping dumbbells on these crates and it's just bouncing off. And the standard crate that we travel with, it goes right through it. That gives me a peace of mind when I travel. So, you know, I'm on there and, and I'm kind of kind of like you, I like to bring knowledge. I just, you know, my YouTube channel started because I wanted to have fun and it's all about, it doesn't matter what you do with your dog, as long as you have fun. And we've done, uh, you know, our most popular videos have been our intro videos, like dog diving. I drove to my friend's place. We did a dog diving video and people loved it. So that's what I say. You know, that's the biggest thing I say is it doesn't matter what dog sport you you do. So many people get caught up online and they want to argue about, oh, well, I do this, I do that. At the end of the day, are you out there having fun with your dog? Do you enjoy your dog? You know, one of the most uh, satisfying things we do, we don't get any major awards or recognitions for. We just go out there and have fun. And that's our toss and fetch league. And, you know, we'll have everything from a four-year-old throwing a Frisbee today to People probably in their 60s throwing a Frisbee, and they're just out there having fun and having a good time. We've got the music playing. We're talking. We're, we're enjoying our dog, and that's really what it's all about. That really is, and that's really a great note to leave it at. Um, I hope everybody listening out there, whether on YouTube or uh, on our mini podcast platforms, uh, just continue to get after it. And remember, just have fun, and uh, I believe anything can be learned. So thanks so much, Jeremy. You've just listened to an episode on the Dogs Are People 2 podcast presented by Dingle Days. If you like this episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Dingle Days. If you want even more good stuff, make sure to go over to www.dingledaysphotography.com to find the show notes in our blog and head over to our Dingle Days community on YouTube so that you can connect with other followers of our training methods there. I can't wait to see you there. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, continue to get after it and share your best life with your furry friend.